A very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's uh, programme. Uh, comment lines open if you do want to get through to us uh, today. We would like to hear from you. Now, uh, I'm getting texts in relation to uh, traffic uh, today. Again, a lot of texts coming in in relation to traffic. Um, I think it's just no more than what Kenny Deary said. I think it's just the volume altogether. So it is uh, from there. Uh, you'll just have to leave it with us and we'll try and figure it through from there. Uh, but I want to move on today because um, Councillor Sean... Kniff joins me on uh, the line today and he has been on to you over the weekend and he's renewing calls for uh, the Greenway from Athenry to Kaluni. Sean, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us uh, today uh, on the programme. If you do want to get in contact with us by you, the way, you can do so. 86 Sean Kniff, good morning to you. Good morning. How are things, Keith? Thanks for joining us uh, today. No, a pleasure. A pleasure. You, you were talking to me over the weekend and you said you had a very yeah. engaging afternoon on Thursday in Leinster House and the Three Greenways campaign in Galway, Mayo and Sligo uh, gave evidence in relation to the necessity of the creation of greenways from Math and Wright to Colony and Sligo, 126 kilometres in all, uh, to, to the Oireachtas Committee. There's engagement, but who's going to make the decision? Who's going to do something? Well, this is it, Keith. Um, well, we had a great opportunity to go through all the core facts, as we know it, in relation to the Western Rail Corridor. And, you know, we've had all the um, the very detailed reports, we've had all the necessary information, the analysis, etc. And they've all been unanimous in their conclusion that the case for any reinstatement of freight or passenger services on the disused rail corridor at the moment is weak and unsupportable. And this isn't just um, a, a marginal decision. It's overwhelming. The evidence is overwhelming, you know. The, the, the reports just are so conclusive that you can't argue with them in relation to passenger. But is there a willingness, Sean, freight, you know? is there, a willingness there from the current government to fund this? I mean, we've had reports after reports and more reports coming the way. Um, but is there a willingness there to do this? To fund a greenway? To fund a greenway, a facility. Because oh, absolutely. They're, concerned, is, they're they, concerned about the railway tracks. They're concerned about um, yeah, the infrastructure right. that would be used for a greenway that could um, stop growth in the region if the rail was put in? Yeah, well, the first thing, though, um, Irish Rail have clarified on a number of occasions, and again recently, that all the rail infrastructure that's there, the tracks, the rotten sleepers, every single thing will have to come out. That is all That is all obsolete. And, and this, you know, and it'll be replaced with modern rail infrastructure if and when, if at some stage in the future, um, a railway is reinstated. And, and it, the further than that, they say that the presence or absence of this obsolete rail track um, would have no bearing on any future reinstatement decision. So it's, you know, so it's not, it's not really a valid reason. I and mean, we came across that in the committee that people were saying, oh God, you know, we, 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 we wouldn't like the tracks to come up. We're saying, but when we explain that, then they were saying, oh right, okay. Um, then make a decision on it in relation to the criteria for whether the, the, the criteria for a railway, and the main one is population. Okay. And that's the main one where... But, but ha- it just falls down, you know. Have Have you looked at uh, again? I'm not. I'm not for or against. I, I, I'm, you know, I've seen greenways. I see mm. how they operate. I know how they operate. Um, but have you considered what is the footfall going to be from Athenride to Kaluni? Yes, it's it's absolutely phenomenal, Keith. Um, we well, you see, Board Falls you now have done the economic impact studies of greenways, and they, for example, the Great Western Greenway, you know, between Westport and Ackle. 42 kilometres, which is exactly the same length as the Quiet Man section, as we call it, the Galway section of the, the potential Galway section of a greenway. Um, it generates 40 million euros of business per annum and it's generated 920 
new full-time jobs. That was 2016 data. And speaking to Board Fodge, it's grown steadily since. So they have over 1,000 new jobs. And that's what we stand to gain between Athenry and Milltown. 1,000 new jobs. It's just a phenomenal. What happens is um, outdoor recreation of tourism is, is so, it's the biggest booming segment of tourism. Everybody wants to get out and about. They want to walk on these off-road tracks and it is so popular, it's unbelievable. You know, so you'd have thousands of people coming all the time on these greenways. You've seen it, Waterford Greenway. It has transformed not just Waterford, the region, the region. And yeah. so the, there's no question about it. The goal, and it, it would bring this golden ingredient of footfall into local areas where nothing else can bring them in. And once you have footfall, you have you have a chance. You have business. You you know, you people stop. They stay overnight. They attend festivals. They get involved in in local recreation activities. They cycle. They hire bikes. They guest houses, and they eat food. You know, it's it's all and it's big and it's all cumulatively an awful lot of money and an awful lot of jobs. So what we're doing now at the moment, we are, you know, Ernst and Young. That report that came out recently in well 2020 or whatever, cost half a million. Again, it said, for example, between Chewham and Clare Morris, that section of the track where you would need 100 marks, say. The report would need to give 100 marks to see if it would be considered for investment, and it had seven. Seven, because it's open countryside, Keith. There's mm. nobody there. Mm. It's, you know, you, know you, can, you can't put heavy rail tracks and, and railways through small open countryside and villages. And these reports have said this over and over again. So and that's kind of been accept, accepted now, I think, by the, the, the rail people. And they're saying, oh, well, it's going to be freight now. Can, I go, back to my, same, can, can so. I go back to my opening question um, again, though? I mean, I'm just reading a comment that came in here because we were talking about the bypass earlier on. Uh, it's important right. to be honest with people. The ring road in Galway, uh, if it does manage to secure planning permission, will be challenged in the court all the way to Brussels. We're at least 20 years away from its completion. Why do we have to wait long for all these other improvements, which could have an immediate effect on Galway's traffic? Properly segregated bus corridors, more buses everywhere, park and ride on every mm. major route into the city, and active travel infrastructure. All of these will have an immediate effect on traffic. But we foolishly tie them all into a roads project that is years and years away. Yeah. So, like that. So we've got we've got the problem. But go back to my first question: Is how do you make this happen, Sean Kenneth? Well, I'll tell you how we make it. We sit down with West on Track and the main lobbyists and the main politicians in our area, and you know them. And we have to say, listen, guys, we just have to make this work. We can't spurn a thousand jobs. This infrastructure is obsolete. Every report is telling you this. And and what we're saying, what what we've always said is, it's just that it's it's not either or. It's what can we do now? What makes sense now, knowing what we know from the reports? It doesn't preclude anything in the future. It might make sense in the future to put in a railway. I'll tell you something, Keith. The more investment in a greenway at the moment now, where you build up local communities who are devastated, Keith, and need investment, and they're getting nothing, and if, 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 if they build up local communities, build up the schools, build up the GEA clubs, and get vibrant communities, you'll have a lot more people, you have a lot more chance of a railway then, you know. But at the moment, um, a rural Ireland, as you know, it's a dispersed population. It's emptying, 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 going into growth centres for employment like Galway, etc., etc. And the one chance we have, Keith, the one chance we have to bring footfall, this golden ingredient in there with a the greenway, it's proved all over Ireland already. It's proved all over Europe. It does it. It's like a magic solution. 
and and we are actually without any evidence to support a railway we're, we're stopping a greenway so we have to get we can work it out keith i have no doubt we can but we just need to sit down and work it out but it's it's thus heretofore is it has been quite intransigent but but where we are now keith there's no more no more reports to be had everything has been said everything has been analyzed to okay. death so if every I... inch of the of the that railway alignment you know so if i was to ask you what's your good instinct will it or will it not happen it has to happen keith and i'll tell you we can't deny a thousand people in galway jobs and the great news is they voted for it in Sligo. They're going to do this in Sligo. They're going to have, and strangely enough, it's 40, 42 kilometres as well. They're working, they're positive, and they're doing this. And not only are they doing that, they're working with Cavan, and they're working with Leitrim, and they're working with Oma, and they're, and they're going to go from Sligo up to Enniskillen. And Keith, and just one other amazing thing, if and when, and Board Falls were telling us this, and John, you may know John Mulligan, that, the, that when Ireland has a all-Ireland greenway or long greenways. That's when you get the real tourism. People want to come to visit local areas. They want to experience the local. Board Falch are telling us. They came into the municipal authority when I was a councillor in Shoe and said, we did this in, in, in Mayo. It's a great success. Will you please do it? But we couldn't get it over the line for various reasons. But Keith... If and when we have these long greenways, it's already come from Dublin. When it hits, if it hits Athenry, we have a spur to Tume and a spur to Tume, Ballygloon, all the way up. That's when you get the international visitors, Keith. This is happening already in 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 Mayo with very little international visitors. They're doing huge business. Same in Waterford. When the international people come, it'll be that you know what Board Falls describe it. They they didn't put a quantity. They said the demand would be insatiable insatiable you couldn't mm. fulfill the demand for this um, this thing in, in the modern world people want outdoor recreational tourism so we have to make it work keith we can't not okay it's just as simple as that you know all right thank I you i think there's goodwill there you know <laughs> well, let's wait and see but sean Cliff, thanks for debating it with us uh, today on the program pleasure we see you thank you so much Gustin, there that's um councillor sean Kniff joining us there on the line a very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. The comment lines are all open if you want to get through to us. And I'll tell you one thing, you're all very, very exercised, I have to say, today. Keith, the greenways are fantastic. Uh, whatever about Athenry to Tume and beyond. And the best of luck with the project, the greenways between my Colin Barna or more and the city would suit a lot of people a lot of the time. And it would be lovely to see Galway Chamber row in so strongly behind simple schemes like those to show that Galway can move forward and get things done. And Sean Kniff is back on to us again. Keith, uh, I really appreciate the time. And um, I'm no longer a concert. That was my fault. Totally my fault. All together from there, so it was. Uh, other calls coming in. Greenways, Keith. Will you stop, please, talking about green? We just need to get everything else sorted today and get it sorted very quickly. Okay, let's do that then. And uh, let's figure it through from there then. Uh, other calls coming in to us too, by the way, uh, today on the programme. Um in relation to traffic yesterday, which I'll try and get to uh, right now. Uh, traffic yesterday, Keith, in Salt Hill, was absolutely jammed uh, with car traffic yesterday. The usual Sunday drivers plus GA fans attended the match in Napier Stadium. Is Kenny Deary trying to tell us that those cars would disappear if a second um, ring road was built? In the run-up to Christmas, the retail centres in Cherryland and the environs uh, were super busy with um, shoppers. Adjacent streets and car parks were chock with shoppers also. Does Galway Chamber of Commerce want us to believe that the car parks uh, would be mostly empty if a second ring road uh, was built? 
Uh, is that their real objective? Empty car parks, this caller wants to know uh, from there. I don't know. I don't think it is, uh, to be quite honest. It's not their intention at all. Uh, but Kenny Deary's a good guy and he makes a very valid um, it makes a very valid point, I have to say. And uh, so we have to um, make sure that we just take take it on board and take it from there. Now, though, let me move on today because I want to go to um, Mary Jordan, who's the director and founder of Adapt Dementia Limited. And dodging dementia and understanding uh, all of the risk factors uh, is something that we should all be very much aware of. And uh, we've had enough with our own family. Uh, Mary joins you on the line today. Mary, good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Thanks for joining us uh, today. How do you identify? How do you identify dementia? <laughs> well, dementia is really just a bunch <laughs> of symptoms. So it, it isn't a disease in itself. It's a collection of symptoms. Yeah. Um, and then various diseases cause those symptoms. So uh, when you say how do you identify it, you identify it by the symptoms which are normally um, a, a short-term loss of memory, confusion, difficulty finding your way. Um, it's, it's, I think confusion covers an awful lot. And when you talk about confusion then, are you talking about, um, what age group are you talking about? Or can dementia kick in at any stage? It can kick in at any time. Where there have been known cases of children with dementia, but generally... It's a disease of older people. It's far more common uh, in anybody from 65 onwards. And is there any way of slowing it down? I mean, you're an expert in the field, as I said to you, that you are founder of Adapt uh, Dementia Limited. What does Adapt Dementia Limited do, can I ask you? Right, well, what we do is support um, people who have dementia and their families and carers with um, advice and um, general support, often listening is a big big factor, mm-hmm. and uh, giving people ideas to how to improve their their experience of dementia, really, just how to make their lives better. Um, it's a multi, you know, it's a multifaceted business. So we're looking at the people with dementia and helping them, and we're also looking at the carers who are supporting people with dementia uh, and giving them information as well. It, dementia is tough. We've had enough in our own house, I have to say, and it, it can go on for a long time. And it's the one thing in life that I would love to be spared is dementia, to be quite honest, because it's it's not a very pleasant journey for the family and it's not a very pleasant uh, journey for the person themselves. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a, it's a disease that most people really dread. And you can't, you can't dress it up in any way, Mary Jordan, so you can't. You, can't dress <laughs> it, you, can, you really can't dress I, it up. I can't dress it up for you. No, I can't, no. really. It's it's not a disease that anybody wants, and that's why, really, um, if you can take steps to avoid it, then you should do so. Yeah. It's, it's difficult for people to think about it, because most, pe- most people just think, well, you know, I, I probably won't get it when I'm old. I needn't worry about it. But there are steps you can take to lower your risk, what, and, what, um, and that's what we're talking about here. What should we be doing? We should be exercising. It's a lot of the very boring health stuff that they tell you anyway. Mm. Exercising, watching uh, your nutrition, um, keeping up your... The important thing probably that uh, doctors don't really talk about much is keeping up your social life. So um, people, anyone, 
it strikes dread in my heart when people say, oh, I'm not really very sociable, because that is one of the chief risk factors for dementia. Uh, we should be watching for um, chronic disease like diabetes, which is a very high risk factor for dementia. Diabetes type 2, that is maturity onset. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a, lot, there's a lot you can do to actually mitigate your risk. It's not a guarantee, though. But, but when you say, um, you know, antisocial, uh, you know, that they're, they're, they've cut back on the social life that they had, are they doing that because they're afraid that they'll make a fool of themselves because they know in their inner self that they have dementia? That is a very perspicacious thing for you to say, actually. So that's very good because the beginnings of dementia is often shown by people becoming less sociable for that very reason. But um, what I'm talking about here possibly is before you get to that. So keeping up a social contact, keeping up your networks, um, you know, because of COVID, a lot of people retired into themselves. Uh, but we need to get out of that. We need to be out and about more. And when you say out and about more, then, are you talking about um, daily exercise, getting air into your lungs? Are you talking about, you know, getting the adrenaline going? Are you talking about getting your heart pumping faster? Yes, but any exercise is good. Not everybody can go for a run. Not everybody wants to be a gym bunny. Uh, any exercise is good, just keeping moving. They, uh, sitting down is actually terribly bad for you. <laughs> so um, the more you keep on the move, the better. Even brisk walking is good. So sitting down, well, sitting down is not good for any one of us, to be honest. We, we, no, we, absolutely we, not. <laughs> we tend to head off um, every day for a long walk, uh, for a four, three or four or five kilometre walk. And it's, it's something that I like doing. It's something that I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, it's a good habit, that. Very good. And I have bad habits as well, so I have when I do sit on the couch and I eat stuff that I shouldn't eat and all that type of stuff, on the chair rather. Um, but, you know, I, I got a clean bill of health recently, so I did thank God. I went for the full MOT and got a clean bill of health um, from top to bottom, which is which is good at 60, nearly 62 years of age. Um, but again, not it's... Not bad, not bad. No, 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 no. But I do mind myself now, and I do sleep, and I get my sleep, I get to bed early, I get up early. But there, That's there, very good for you as well. Seven hours sleep is recommended, at least. I get away, Mary. Seven hours sleep. <laughs> I could, I could actually take twelve hours sleep if I was left. Well, the more, more doesn't do you any harm. Mm. Where can they get details on what we're talking about right now? Um, well, obviously, you can buy the book. Yeah. And uh, you can find out all about everything I've talked about on my website, which is. Uh, the old www.adaptdementia.com. Mm -hmm. So adapt dementia, all one word. And can I ask you, where is where is the book Dodging Dementia? Where, where is that available then? Is it available in all good That's available from the publisher's website. That's Hammersmith Press. Mm -hmm. And it's also available, of course, um, from bookshops and uh, from the ubiquitous Amazon. Amazon then as well. <laughs> And again, if they want to get further details on it, uh, they can do so um, by going to Hammersmith Health Books, if you want to go from there, or just go into yep. Amazon and just put in Dodging Dementia. And is it Absolutely. The, the key question, Mary Jordan, uh, and you, you know more about this than I do, is can you dodge dementia? That is a key question, and it is something um, I don't know. I don't know. What we can do is the best we can do. 
And that's all we can because do in life. we don't know the cause of dementia, it's very difficult to pick something to stop it. But mm. we can lower all our risk factors. All right, listen, good to talk to you. And uh, thanks indeed uh, for... It's, do you know, and don't get me wrong now, Mary, at all, but in Ireland we're not very good about talking about death. Oh. We just, it, it kind of happens, but, you know, some people, so, like I, I've left wishes that if I dropped dead in this studio this morning, which I'm not going to, by the way, I wouldn't do it to the studio, um, that, but I've left wishes for me, what, what I would like and what I would... Yeah, very sensible. What, what I would like. We don't talk about death, but we don't talk about dementia either. No, we don't talk about dementia enough, actually. You're no. quite right. You're quite right. And we need to have more conversations like this, so we do. Listen, well done to you, Mary Jordan, director and founder of Adapt Dementia. The book is called Dodging Dementia, and you can go to Hammersmith Health Book, and if you've been affected by this, um, or if there's a library person listening to us and you can get it into the library, please do. Anything that educates people from there is very important. Mary Jordan, have a good and a safe day, and thanks for joining us uh, today on the programme. Thank you very much. A very good morning to you. Mary Jordan joining us there, director and founder of AdaptDementia.ie. Let's take a short commercial break. We're back just after these. Sorry about that. Johnny was in. How are you today? Oh yeah, we should bring him on air, so we should. Bring him on air altogether and ask him. I know that was John Richards, not uh, John Morley. He's too busy, so you celebrated Mayo's win yesterday. And we'll talk about it with Alish, so we will shortly. Uh, at about quarter to twelve. Uh, we'll talk to him. What happened yesterday to the two teams? Because in re- seriously, I mean, I was watching, I was listening to the commentary indeed on um, Galway BFM and we had paused TG Carr, and I love TG Carr by the way, and uh, we had paused it so we could, it was synced and Aidan, our son was down from Dublin and we synced the whole lot and we got the whole lot in uh, from there. But lo and behold, what happened? I mean, Mayo seemed to just wipe the floor with each and every one of them uh, yesterday. They were the better team definitely and same thing happened in Hurling. You won't fully agree with me. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. And just on that Mayo win. Were you at the win, game, were you? I was at the game, yeah. I was sitting behind the Galway camp and I actually, I, I felt kind of bad for the Galway lads. I think they, they are a better team than what they showed yesterday and there was a lot of talk on social media and a lot of heat being directed towards player and management. I just think people need to just calm down now. It's only January. Sam Maguire, unfortunately for Mayo, was not handed out in January. So there's a few months left and we have to just see a lot of lads come back from injury. Um, Jamie and Comer was a big loss, I thought, to Galway yesterday. Um, And I think what can often happen at this time of the league and this time of the year is that teams haven't gelled with each other, they haven't been training that long together and sometimes a lot of your tactics, they need fine-tuning and it's more towards the end of the league and the beginning of the championships you start to see teams playing to their true potential. Um, so, it's a long year yet, so just maybe hold the horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it's, um, they were a class act here yesterday. They were, but they, they were being kind of let play. Um, one big thing I noticed sitting behind the Galway camp was they were imploring the players to press out on Mayo and not to be giving them space and time on the ball and to put them under pressure in the tackle. Galway were sitting quite deep back and inviting Mayo on and when they did that, Mayo had the the finishing and the, the capability against the breeze in the first half yeah. to be able to, to get goals, uh, at, well, points and goals with that great goal from Owen McLaughlin. Um, I may have jumped out of the stadium and that one did but they, well, yeah. they just they kind of played into Mayo's hand in both halves really mm. um, and the rain didn't the weather didn't do anybody any justice yesterday 
It didn't, but it wasn't as bad as it looked on TV. I think the TG it camera... It was at the beginning. Of the t- uh, <laughs> the cam- uh, poor cameraman. God I was glad him. I went to the game because uh, they, they need to get wiped with some for them cameras because it actually wasn't that bad in the stadium. There's a light little bit of drizzle for a while, but it kind of cleared up well, then again. Have, the poor cameraman, I don't know how he kept cleaning it because it just <laughs> you, you couldn't. It was like looking through a dirty window, so it was. But he kept, uh, he or she kept cleaning and cleaning and cleaning, but difficult one, yeah. There's a few interesting things I'd like to to talk to you about, Keith, and this opinion poll at the weekend, and it's something that I think we've been talking about on the panel discussion programs. I predicted this. Yeah. You're talking about the drop in the poll, a considerable drop in support for Sinn Féin in the polls. And and the reason for it, I think, is is an interesting one as well. It's It's a significant drop now. Significant drop, and I think the big thing about it is they're attributing it to the discussion being around immigration. And... I said it on the panel discussion we had with uh, councillors Frank Fahey and Noel Larkin that Sinn Féin could see it and I I must have had my crystal ball with him because that's what's happened in this latest Mm. poll. The problem they're having is that they have a very similar stance to government on the immigration issue. Um, They've only recently made certain remarks that have pulled back a bit in terms of when Deputy Mary Lou MacDonald, the uh, Sinn Féin leader, said at Christmas that that we should be prioritising economic migrants yeah. in terms of asylum seeker applicants as, as well um, when she was on about in reference to Ukraine. and that. So I think that's an interesting step and it's going to make it very interesting heading into the local European elections if there's not a general election before that. But it's just quite interesting to see that that has, that the fact that you're a party in opposition but you're quite aligned with government on the issue of immigration. It's but, having a, a yeah, negative but I, effect. I also, I also think indeed, and I wasn't part of the poll, by the way, it was done by the Business Post, uh, Red Sea poll, and it was done very recently, so it was. But I actually think that they don't have any concrete... Um, first off, they're finding it difficult to get some candidates, that's number one. And yeah. se- secondly, I think that, I mean, the likes of David Cullen, who's an extremely talented man when it comes to health, um, and the the likes of Piers Doherty, they have some very intelligent people in Sinn Féin. Mm-hmm. But then you have others who just want, and Maurice Farrell is one of those very intelligent people, by the way, as well. But Sinn Féin have an awful lot of people who just love to shout against the government. Shout, shout, shout. And I think people are getting a bit cheesed off with that. It's interesting, and it's interesting to see. And are they going to unearth these new candidates? It would be better for them if but there was the local elections and then you could find people who have gotten support of the public. But it'd be interesting to see whether they do call the general election beforehand to to scupper Sinn Féin's chances. You mean before the locals? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You said that to me confidentially about a year and a half ago. (laughs) And I said, he's off his flipping rocker altogether. (laughs) And it's becoming more, it's becoming more tenable right now. I thought they would do it after the budget, the giveaway budget in October of this year. Mm. Get the locals, get the referendums, get the locals, get the European out of the way. It'll be interesting to see because I know that Minister Anne Rabbit recently said with us on the programme that there'll be, there will be another budget in this government. So that'll kick it out till next, I suppose. It's going to be October. October. First week in October, yeah. But, you know, things can change and if tied public opinion sways in the next while, you never know what might happen. You never know. I don't. And the thing with them polls as well, as is always said with these polls, is there is a margin for error. So just to be, to be Fianna Fáil came up though, John. I mean, Fianna Fáil haven't they, they, they haven't really increased. I'd say now in about 14, 15, 16 months. Now they have. Mm. Well, the other big winners, of course, are the independents as well. And that's the one you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, that's why the the ongoing discussions between the independents and Dáil Éireann, That's what's that could make or break indeed. 
uh, a government, the next government. And if Michael Fitzmaurice and they get that party that they're talking about over the line. It's very hard though when you're all independents and you're all in different parts of the country. But if, you get, into gov- if you get into government, if you get into government, I, I think they've, coher- they've kind of come together. There's a course of kind of a thinking yeah. process on them and they have policies and... and I believe it when I see it. I think I'll okay. just believe it when I see it because it's very hard to get them all rowing in behind. And when you're independent as well, that's sometimes the appeal of people voting for you. So if you suddenly form a party, it might just take that appeal off it because people, the independents are for people who vote very locally. Yeah. and want people to, to whether it's Marion Harkin up in, in Sligo or, or Fitzy um, in the Roscommon Galway uh, Catherine Connolly in Galway, Old Greenwich in Galway West. So people do vote for the, the the local thing. If you start having a party and it's going across certain areas and that, that might just take some of the appeal out of it as well. So I think a lot of the independents who are pulling back and reluctant, that's in the back of their mind. Somebody just texted in here, Keith. Uh, I keep all parties who are in opposition are there to oppose. Uh, when they get into government, they become exactly what we get every time, a party who couldn't care less. Independents are no better. A group who shout individually and just won't work together. That's your point. That's the point, yeah, and that's the point a lot of people are making, and I think that's what's in a lot of the independence heads as well. So yeah. it'll just be interesting to, to see how that all pans out in the next while. Did you watch this at the weekend? Oh, the, uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> Bambi Thug will represent Ireland. It's a big change of, of tune for Ireland, if you pardon the pun. Uh, I like it. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't vote for it. Mm-hmm. Um... But I think it'll do well. And funnily, when I was watching the show, I wasn't a fan. But since I've been listening back and listening back to the Doomsday Blues, it's growing on me. And I think it's the type of thing that whether it mightn't do well in Ireland, but it could do very well in Europe. There used to be a programme on TV, I remember Eurotrash, and and that type of music would be quite to the fore, and it could do very well at the Eurovision. Bambi Thug has, has a massive following. Massive. I mean, enough t- to make a difference when it comes to the Eurovision. And it's, you know, it is different, and it's it's the theatrics of it as well, because Eurovision has gone, it's, it's about a performance, really. It's not just about your singing credentials, that you need to yeah. perform and have people visually captivated as well. So I think it could do very well on uh, that front as well. So the Eurovision this year is on in Sweden, and perhaps this might just appeal to those in Sweden, and, and uh, it's the other black countries that we have to be careful of. That's... We have to see what they come up with as well. But I think that um, Bambi Tug, where would the name have come from? Because Bambi was a little, lovely little thing, you know, together. Yeah, it could be a bit of a, a juxtaposition there, all right. How do you spell juxtaposition? <laughs> <laughs> Get the Scrabble board out. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. And it's also going to be interesting when it comes to um, um, where, how we get on. If you're a betting, you're not a betting man more than myself. We're too well, mean, Joe, we're too mean to be if, betting. If they even got to the final, if Bambi Tug and the, the whole act even got to the final. So if they get through the qualifiers. Yeah. Because we, we haven't been doing that in recent years. We so, haven't, no. So it would be great to even just get but, to the final and be there. But like, I'd be old enough to remember going back to, I'd be old enough to remember going back to, um, you know, the Dana days and all of that type of stuff. Mark Roberts, Dana, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, God, above how it's changed. I know. I'm going from the rock and roll kids to Doomsday Blues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there'll be there'll be other Doomsday Blues in the will as well. Listen, thanks for joining us uh, today. We're also out and about this Friday, Keith. 
Oh, you're, you're bringing me off down the countryside. Here. I yeah. am. You're going to have to collect me and bring me down. I'm only joking. Um, we're heading on Friday to the east of the county. The Community Matters series will be broadcasting from the Mullia GEA grounds there. Brand new, spanking new facilities there. And we have a lot of people lined up on the show, Keith. We'll be talking to some of the local legends and characters of the area. They're all... There's one show in Mullia. It's the Hurland. So there's always some connection back to the club in some way, shape or form. There, there's that's, some facilities down there. Whether that's players or maybe they, they line the pitch or they, you know, do the raffle tickets. There's always some connection back to the Hurling Club. And it's actually it's turned out to be a very good weekend. We're going there because they're having their big right. GA dance uh, and meet up right, on the it? Saturday night. Saturday night, yeah. So it's going to be a busy bank holiday weekend in Mullia and it's going to be the place to be really um, this weekend. It's next week a bank holiday, it is. Tis yet St. Bridget's, oh, John, St. Bridget's Bank just, Holiday. You've just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> All I needed was a little bit more sleep this morning. Yeah. If people don't know that, I don't think. I'd forgotten that. Next, this day week, me and you will be off duties. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's St. Bridget's Day, of course, so we'll really yeah. get that. But go back to Mullia. Anyways, back sorry. to Mullia. So we have some Focus. great characters uh, lined up. We're starting off with Tony Larkin, Seamus Curley and Margaret Callanan. Uh, so they're all very involved with the club there and they're, all, they're a great crack as well. Uh, we'll be moving on to some of the current affairs issues in the area and we'll have Adele Madden and uh, Porrick Garvey on. More on that close to the, the time there. I have the, the current affairs issues, but I'm just going to have to keep you on your toes and keep you guessing on that. We'll also look at you history. You do that every morning, so don't, don't, don't that's just, <laughs> that's just Friday, go on. We'll also look at history. We have Paul O'Donnell and oh, uh, Mickey Kearns as well. So the two of them get on very well and they'll bounce off well of each other. So there's some great history in the area and Paul himself has done a great um, GEA book in recent years. He's done publications on the school and the Camogie Club locally as well. But the, he can bring us back right back 2,000 years ago to the Tuha to Danon and uh, other big events and personalities in the area in terms of there was a big eviction there in the 19th century. And there's also some interesting archaeological sites in terms of the Bishop's Chair and uh, some great history of the, the brass bands and the Cayley bands in the area in Kilorgan Hall. Um, so we'll be looking at that. And of course, the history of the hurling in the area as well. It's a very big part of it. Um, we're moving on then, and we have a remarkable young woman coming on to tell her story, Claire Dolphin. Uh, she did a great Good Samaritan deed there a few years back. So more on that on uh, Friday a, a morning. A lovely person, I have to say. Yeah. A lovely person as well. Yeah. Uh, we also have the great Iggy Clark. He'll be joining us on the programme and he'll be there with the uh, Mullia chairman, Tony Raftery. So we'll have a great uh, chat with Iggy. And of course, he does some great work as well in terms of the counselling work he provides uh, he, right he, across the country. And his, he and his wife, they're just a wonderful couple. So they're, what they do abroad is something else for the uh, charity as well. Go on, sorry, yeah? Yeah, so then after that, we'll be speaking with the uh, local parish priest, Father Niall Foley. And he's an interesting man because outside of the work he does for um, the... Parish. He's also very involved with astronomy. He has um, he's done a lot of work um, on on he's taught physics and maths, and he's been involved there at Garbley College for forty three years as well. So he's a, a very interesting character as well. So we'll be talking to him about his astronomy deck and all that as well. Uh, then for the sports section, we have uh, three big stars in the area: Sarah Durvin of the Camogie fame and Ronan Glennon of Mullia and Galway hurling. And we're also looking at soccer with Eric Glennon um, as well. So we kept busy on the sports section. And then for the music, we have uh, indeed the Glorchira 21 winner 
joining us. That's Emma Donoghue, and uh, she'll tell us all about the the work she's doing there since uh, she won Glory Cheera under the stewardship of Mike Denver, and uh, she'll be playing a bit of music for us and singing That's along right, as well. Yeah. She was very good as well. She yeah. was brilliant, yeah. <laughs> and we'll also, I'm hoping to get some of the mummers on. Uh, they're a local... Uh, Mm-hmm. Kaylee group as well and they might do a bit of dancing and they'll dress up for us as well Keith so we'll have to get you dressed up in your mummer costume have you one big enough well not for me but for you we'll, we'll squeeze <laughs> you into one right? yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work you out we'll get yours and go, we'll come on to yeah and then to finish off the day we have three more legends Pete Finnerty, Imelda Hobbins and Pat Dealey the uh, renowned poet as well so that's how Mullia is looking and we'll be there then Friday morning from 9 o'clock until 12 midday uh, from there Absolutely, yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be great Good. fun. So if you have, if you do want to get involved in the program, you want to suggest anyone we might have missed in the Mully area, do let us know. Comments at goibayfm.ie or indeed ring into the stations. We'll have a chat. You do this call out, so you do it to people because people sometimes are very slow to come in. Mm. But if people engage with you and with us mm. and all that, look what happened on Friday. I mean, that was a cracking program. Yeah, and you know, some of the people on Friday, there was at least three or four of them that were brought onto the program because people got in contact with me. Yeah. I, I can only do so much in knocking so many doors in a given area. So if people actually email and show a bit of interest, I'm happy to get them out yeah, as well. Yeah, but I mean, Kinvara, listen back to the whole of Kinvara so I did over mm. the weekend. And it was cracking, absolutely cracking, so it was um, from beginning I to I think end. for me, there was so much different, you got so much of a different flavour in Kinvara because it's very different to different parts of Galway in terms of, I said it to many people there, it's very bohemian. It is, In yeah. terms of all the, the, the musicians that have moved into the area. It's very... It's very multicultural as well, even yeah. all the dubs we had in the, on the programme as well. Yeah. Uh, before Successful they, before they lost to Monaghan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was a very different programme. But even the mix we had on it, I think, for me personally, I loved Matty Whelan. I, he was the, 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 the star in my Character mind. Character of characters. But there was also some, some lovely stories. Gerhard spoke very well about Convera Alive and the great work they've done. Yeah. And even some of the music, like Frank Hall, that it was just it was it was just a nice mix of, of a program, and everyone really bought into it as well, which was great. They did. I got a call uh, from Mike Burke from the Pierhead on Saturday, just say thank you very much for great reaction to it, and people were speaking about it, and they felt that it gave the whole area a great lift. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was tragedy because Debbie yeah. passed away, and her funeral was yesterday, and in her death notice, by the way. Um, they asked people going to her funeral to, to wear bright colours. So yeah. she was obviously a very vivacious person. But in, in the in the, in the midst of a tragedy, um, he said it lifted the spirits of the people out there as well. Absolutely. And I, I must thank all our guests who came on because I do know a lot of them on the programme were, were very close to Debbie as well. So she was in her thoughts that day and remains in her thoughts as well. So we just like to, to wish them all well in Convera and thank them for, for making... What was a great program. Yeah, really was. Listen, thanks for dropping in to us uh, today. And again, if you do want to get in contact with us, you can do so uh, to 86 33 Somebody said, will you ask John, what, how does he think Mayo will do next time round? Um, <laughs> well, next time round of, as, in, as in this Saturday against know. Dublin, is I it? I don't know. Is, is, it, is that yeah. a load of questions? I, I don't know. I, maybe they're, they're, they're on about the, the season in general. Um I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Um, I won't base anything off the first round of the league. Um, mm. Just looking, the big disappointment for me last year with Mayo was how inconsistent they were. They were very good in the early days of the league. As the league came to an end, they lost to Monaghan, albeit they defeated Galway in the league final, uh, but they didn't look that well. Knocked out of Connacht 
were up and down in the group stages, losing to Cork as well, very shockingly, which put them in the difficult position of playing Galway. And although they bet Galway in the championship, they also weren't that impressive either mm. um, in that game. And then, the, of course, the, the, the demolition job that Dublin did. Um, so I, I just think if Mayo can get consistency and work on their game plan in defence and attack. They, they have a good shout. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying Mayo for Sam or anything like that, but I don't think um, certainly a quarter-final or a semi-final is not beyond the bounds of possibility. Can I ask you, just in relation to the crowd that was there yesterday then, are they, um, was it half and half or was it more Mayo? Oh, there, there was a, a very strong Mayo contingent, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you could hear it whenever yeah. there was a, so, a call that the, the referee... <laughs> Made that the oh, crowd were didn't like it. Was, Mayo were they were vocal. Yeah. They were louder. Maybe I'd say maybe sixty forty Mayo. And can I ask you just? Do you think will a lot of those people go to New York because that's going to be a cracking weekend in New York if they all go? Um. Yeah. The, the diehards will definitely go to New York. There's no doubt about that. Um. And of course, there's a lot of Mayo people in America as it is. Um. I think it was very funny. I was I was at Even Pierce Stadium and I I, I walked actually walked back to here yesterday after Pierce Stadium. But I was going through it. I saw different people with Mayo colours going into the different houses in Galway City. So I just think it was, it's a nice rivalry in the sense that a lot of people, myself That's included, a lot. A lot of people, live yeah. in Galway. So I think it's yeah. always, it's always quite nice. I think the nice rivalry is a serious friendly rivalry. It is, there's, yeah. There's yeah, no, there's, there's no, no, there's no. But even amongst the player yesterday when it finished they were all we're all one, so they were, they were all shaking hands with yeah. each other. There's no, yeah. there's no. Nice. Listen, thanks for joining us uh, today. Now, yet to come to the programme, by the way, ours, um, Galway Great, our Galway Great this week is the wonderful Pat Cantwell as well. Uh, so he joins us just after the 11 o'clock news for Galway Greats. And then we will be talking to Ali more about sport indeed and getting an insight into um, uh, the sporting world. And we have a little bit of an announcement before, uh, or after news rather, uh, that we'll talk to you about then. And then we go straight into, um, again, Goldberg Greats uh, with the wonderful uh, Pat Cantwell. Uh, he joined me last Friday evening um, in Studio 2. And he's just a lovely, lovely person. Always has been, by the way. And he's had a tough, tough time, lost his wife, Mary, and that. And he talks about that as well. So join us just after the 11 o'clock news for a quick bit of news. And also, indeed, um, we'll also be giving you Goldberg Greats as well. So if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so 86 You can also call us today, by the way, on 0917700077. And uh, you can also just uh, email us, just comments, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at galwaybfm.ie. That's comments, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at galwaybfm.ie and get them into us uh, from there. Now then, let's head towards the Galway BFM news desk for the 11 o'clock news and death notices. We're back with an announcement and Galway greats next. Stay tuned for that and more to come. But don't forget, oops, I should bring down John's microphone as well. Don't forget 086 3833 That's 086 Send us your text this morning. We're with you until midday.